And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm Josh Giddy and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Basley and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these. I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me tonight, my man Al's making his triumphant return. Because, Alex, we've got the second pick in the NBA draft this year. Well, I just scared my. I'm right next to my guinea pig. I'm down here in the wood room in my house where all the all the walls are wood, and my guinea pig is right down there. Man, she's freaked out right now. She's shaking because she's so excited, Andrew. Oh, she knows bro. that the Thunder are guaranteed to get one of the top three players or someone else that Sam Presti likes. It doesn't matter at this point, Andrew. Who cares? Because we got bro. the second pick. It's incredible. The second pick. So big shout out to the Jones Assembly and to Lively Beer Works for helping us put on the best lottery party that has happened in Thunder history. Period. How many people were there? Full How stop. many people were there? I don't I don't really know. Like 300, 400, something something just ridiculous. Uh, there's a video floating out there that I put out um, of the reaction. It was unhinged and just like electric and beautiful and just it was one of those moments that you just never forget and i'm so thankful that we could do that uh at the jones assembly and with lively partnering we will have a draft party uh so mark your calendars be there we we don't know where yet we are actually like working on that as we speak like trying to um, make sure that we get a good enough venue for that because it could be uh, even crazier. And I, it was what was great is that we had the contrast from last year to this year, where we knew what it felt like to be so disappointed. And you know, we go from last year where it could be one in five, and you only get six. And like you just know the pain, <laughs> and you know I talked to a lot of people before the lottery started, and everybody's just like feels like so conservative about like I don't know like I just, I hope maybe for number four or you know if we get five I'm fine I'm okay with five I'm okay with five you know just people just just people that have been hurt by the lottery process in the past it's like all these people I talk to, but as 
really once you got to the commercial break, because that's where you want to be. You just want to get to the commercial break. And when your team is at the commercial break, like that place was just so vibrant. Um, it was unreal. And then just them drawing the Kings. And then when they drew the Rockets. And there's something special, Al, about it being the Rockets being drawn before you that just makes it even more sweet. And you just, honestly, once the Kings were drawn, I felt like I don't care which slot right, we get. Yeah. I just want, just give me one of those. And then when you get two and it's in front of the Rockets, the feeling was just like no other. And it's if it's the magic and number one, who cares if it's magic number one? And by the way, like the magic, like do they have the most number one picks in the history of the NBA now? Is that is that a thing? Like well, they, it, they have a ton. And also like going back to last year, who were the two teams that dropped of like the bad teams? It was Orlando and OKC. Yeah. Like true. Orlando dropped I think a spot or two. It's rigged. And then we what dropped. You're and so now it's like redemption. It's the redemption it arc is. for the magic and the thunder. We come back. We're the ones jumping spots. Whew. The other teams are falling back, and I'm I'm just I, I was loving it. And it's it was actually nice that we had the fourth best odds and could potentially fall to eight because there was so much longer buildup. Yeah, because like right when it got to eight, it was like okay, I'm locked in starting at eight. I know. Like yes. w- once I knew the Clippers pick wasn't jumping, it's like okay, I'm chilling out till eight, and exactly. then when eight starts, I'm expecting the Thunder on every single time. <laughs> and as it kept not coming up. And I was sitting here with, with my mother-in-law who thought this was the actual draft. She was asking me who I wanted them. You didn't have anybody to match your energy at home? <laughs> I was explaining how the draft lottery works. and that No, it's actually not that exciting. It's actually this really <laughs> weird, bizarre 30-minute show that doesn't actually mean, doesn't anything, mean anything yet. Right? Yeah. Uh, but oh. it, it can still be fun. But as it got on, you know, she caught on, and, and oh, by good. the end of it, oh, we, we, I mean, I, we were we were pumping, we were pumping fists, pumping fists. Um, I was screaming in my newborn's face, <laughs> you know, just scarring him for life. I just w- when we got to four, like you said, oh, you're, you man. feel like okay, I'm in the clear, but then you're in the back of your mind, you're like, just give me three. If you if you just give me three basketball gods, I will never ask for anything again because uh, that guarantees you one of those top three guys. And then to see the the Rockets, it was. I just I I just haven't felt that way about basketball in yeah. a while. Andrew. It's been rough. I we haven't it's had positive basketball feelings, like true positive. Honestly, I mean, I mean listen, we we jumped from fifteen to twelve, okay, and that was a fun night. We yeah. had our emergency bird pod. We did. Bird that night. was a blast. Bird night was cool, and I thought that felt great. Yeah, but now that I know what this feels like, it's just it's a different level. I was trying to. Did, I was we, talking, I ascended to. I was talking to my wife on the way home, and just trying to like compare it to like another sports moment because it was like a really cool sports moment for the Thunder, and like the most comparable moment that I can think of that I was present for was that Clippers game five where Chris Paul does his Chris Paul stuff and the Thunder win the game when it, they really Where you feel like have. you like pulled something out of your hat. Exactly. You weren't supposed to win. Yeah. And then you were surprised. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Um, well, if you, if you if you think back like when have we ex- just thinking about the lottery, when have we ever experienced something like this as a fan base at this level? Because especially back when they landed the two pick for Kevin Durant. It's not like we were having watch parties then. No, I heard it on, I literally heard it on the radio in my car. Like after the fact? Yes. Or you were, (laughs) 
Like it was like ESPN radio. I'm just driving around like, oh, the lottery happened tonight. You know, like that's how I found right. out about it. And then like I the the Westbrook one was the same way. Harden is the first one where I remember like wanting the first pick just because of Blake Griffin. Yeah. But I was but at home. Like, I was at home by my with like with Amy. I was just we weren't doing anything. Yeah. The the fan base still didn't feel like well established. And then obviously we have last year, but now to have this where you actually get like that release of yeah. celebration of victory. It's just we've been waiting for it. It was glorious. I mean that, we, we've been spending two years watching uh, mostly terrible basketball yeah hoping that eventually luck will turn our way mm-hmm. and yes it's great to jump from 15 to 12 and we'll talk about how 12 is looking kind of juicy when you start seeing these mock Ooh, drafts because it because it, it does feel like a cutoff point in this draft but yeah this this is like real luck that the yeah. thunder has finally caught a break and i go back to like you know all our discussions about tanking and people saying, you know, Steph Curry, he was taken at seven. Uh, Giannis was taken at 15. Kawhi was taken at 15. Like, there's good players throughout the draft, which is absolutely true. All those players were available at number two, though. Yeah. And what this does for the Thunder is it takes the entire draft board and it says, you can't have one guy, yep. everyone else open to you. <laughs> we're, we're, we're reducing your choices by one. The rest of it, it's up to you. You can do literally whatever you want. And just like that is so much power for a team that desperately needs blue chip talent in the way that the Thunder do. And like just a reminder in the process that the Thunder are in now, this is draft number two that we're going into. And you almost felt like in draft one where they didn't get lucky, they like dodged a bullet in a way in getting Josh Giddy at six, because there are so many six picks that are just not good players. (laughs) Like just like flat out, not good NBA players. I think I'd be very surprised if Josh ended up not being a good NBA player. I think he is a good NBA player. And then to get number two and draft number two, when you have only the fourth best odds, I mean, we were stressing about it all year. Like we're stressing about losses on a night to night basis. And like those Blazers wins at the end of the year, and like everything, you're just like, oh my gosh, like it just can't happen again. We can't, we can't do the six again. <laughs> and to get lucky in draft number two, literally could be franchise changing and for it to only be draft number two when you've got guys and in draft number two you have two lottery picks one at two one at 12 this is how franchises get changed now they have to select the right player and that player has to have the ceiling that we hope that they have but you get the chance like you get the the opportunity to draft a cornerstone piece of your franchise in this draft. And that is the luck that the Thunder needed. Because if you if you draft five or six in this draft and go into next season, well, we've already talked about it a ton, they're probably not going to be in the bottom two next year with that crew. And now next year doesn't have to have so much weight to it as well. Because you're walking away with two lottery picks, one at number two. You can develop a core of that and then maybe get like the seventh or eighth pick in next year's draft and develop your core from that group better than you could with a sixth pick, a fifth pick, and a seventh pick. Like that, that is so unlikely for you to have a really good team. Now, if you're drafting six, two, seven, and you already have Shagels Alexander, it's like, oh, okay. Like the Thunder can 
be real serious real fast because of the luck that was had tonight. And I think another important point to bring up is there are uh, scenarios in which this fell, which makes it more likely, in my opinion, that the Thunder could potentially move up if they really wanted to. And the, the two positions I look at is Sacramento at four yeah. and Portland who fell. Yeah. Is Portland at seven or are they at eight? They're at seven. They're at yeah. seven. Yeah. That's and that um, has got to be such a I mean, that's such a huge bummer for I mean, for teams like the Pacers and the Blazers, who are just This is like their shot. This to was do it. This. this was it. Like this was their gap year to get a lottery pick. And you get six and seven in a draft that is thought to be like a four-player draft. Like that's a huge gut punch to both of them because they were really hoping. And the Blazers, I mean, we talked. We've talked about the luck of the Blazers since the trade deadline. I mean, that is a huge blow to that but Blazers franchise. It sets up this idea that I've I've really believed in for a while, which is that because I've been listening to the Blazers podcast and they basically said like if they jump up, they're keeping the pick no matter what. Like, yeah. And, and then Anybody they've gone as far as yeah. to say, like, they're not trading their own pick. But what if you could have a scenario where you got the 12th pick, which you could then trade for Jeremy Grant, which is a much, much more reasonable trade for Jeremy Grant than yeah. trading the seventh pick, yeah. and get something extra, whether it's like giving them 30th pick or, or maybe even a player to move up to seven. I think there's a deal potentially there that could make sense for both sides because Portland, like, they're not going to get a guy at seven, most likely, that's going to immediately come in and contribute. Unless, like, maybe Keegan Murray falls to seven. Like, I, I yeah. think that would be a scenario where it makes sense. That's possible. But outside of that, like, I, I just don't see who the guy is going to be at seven that you're feeling. The Blazers who want to make the playoffs next year. Like, Dame is going to be healthy. He's going to be past this abdominal thing. Like, they want someone who can actually help them win. I don't know if you're getting that at seven. Yeah. So is there a deal there? And then, and then for Sacramento, like we already know, like Sacramento wants to make the playoffs every single year. That's the only goal. It's, it's, it's probably the reason why they took Davion Mitchell last year because he was an older player. It's probably the reason why they might just end up taking Keegan Murray at four this year. That would like not shock me at all. If Keegan Murray is the pick at four. Yeah. But is there a potentially a deal there with the Kings. Now, I think that is where you get into the Dort conversation. Yeah, that's what I was about like, to say. Like, who's the who's the player for you? And it like Lou is the one that makes sense if they're looking for somebody to help them now as a point of attack defender. Right. Now the the problem is like now you have Dort and Davion Mitchell. Like, is that like is 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 that really like the best fit in the world? Um, probably not. Yeah. But I, I they obviously need a ton of defense. Yeah. what they have right now. And if you could do a deal like 12 and Dort, and maybe even additional pick, like 12 and Dort and the Denver pick to move up all the way to four and potentially draft someone like Shaden Sharp or whoever you like, yeah. is that a potential deal? So those are like the two spots I'm looking at now for the Thunder. We're like, can we make this even better? You are so greedy, my man. And I'm very it. greedy. I'm, I'm very, very greedy. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just feel like it lined up perfect because there's some teams like – if Detroit lands at four, Detroit's like, not trading or, their or pick. The, like period, right. they're not trading their pick. And I and I feel the same way about uh, like there's a couple teams. So like Houston, Houston like, not trading their pick. Not Orlando trade their pick. not trading their pick. If if, so, like, if Indy if Indy ends up in the top four, like they're not trading their pick. They're not trading their pick anyways. 
And so that's that's why I think Sacramento moving up and Portland falling back are two really important things. I'm not saying it's going to happen with the Thunder, but I think as this process process goes on, those are the teams that people start talking about as like open for business. Yeah. And part of me is just like, don't do anything because I just did a beat writer mock draft on the athletic. I don't know when it's going to be up, but um, I took Chet Holmgren number two and I took AJ Griffin at number 12. Like there's somebody in this group is going to drop to 12, whether it's Johnny Davis or Ben Matherin or Dyson Daniels or AJ Griffin Somebody in that group is likely to drop to 12. And for me, I don't, I have no idea, Al, who's going to be the best out of that group. I just have absolutely no clue who's going to be the best out of that group. And if you're telling me that I can keep Dort and I can get a player like that and I can get the number two pick and we can still have developing pieces like Giddy and Trey Mann. Like that's where I'm just like, I don't know that I really want to. Yeah. You might not need need to, because like looking at the athletic, I'm just going to go through the mock drafts real quick. Yeah. Like the big ones that came out. So Sam Bassini, he has Orlando taking Jabari and OKC, OKC taking Chet. But then down at 12, like the name that kind of falls in this group that we're talking about is Dyson Daniels. And I do feel like there's a cutoff there around 12 because like after that, now you're talking about Mark Williams, Usman Jang, like Ochai, like there are still names that like maybe you like or not, but I do feel like it feels like there's a tier there from like 12 to 13. You look at the ESPN draft, they have Orlando taking Jabari, OKC taking Chet, go down to 12. They actually have us taking Usman Jang, but uh, Jeremy Sohan, they have him going 18. So like that's a guy. Who would be there? Like and and Jang and then, may be a guy that rises up boards. I mean, the thing about he might. Jang and Dyson Daniels is like they're crazy young. Like Jang is still 18. I think Dyson Daniels just turned 19. Uh, and the talent with both of them, like they have very high ceilings. They're projects. And that's where I get a little bit excited, like taking a project in like Dyson Daniels or Jang and taking Chet, who's gonna be a project is it's going to slow things down some for the Thunder. Instead of making them take this big leap, I think it will slow things down for them where they may have a chance at a top five or six pick in the next draft. You know, like that's like the real dream is that the the players now are going to need time and going to need development so much so that you get to the next draft and you like can have the chance to strike gold again. I mean, that's that's like part of why you do this. Like that is the process playing out, you know, before your very eyes. And you don't. And if you hold all your cards and you hold all your picks, I mean, I don't know. And I also like I just have to stress continually stress this is that we have no idea what Sam Presti thinks about these pro- these prospects. And I promise you that Sam Presti's draft board looks a lot different than any any mock draft that you can see out there. And you just wonder, like, what does he think about a Usman Jang or a Dyson Daniels or a Ben Matherin or even Jalen Duran? Like, we haven't mentioned his name. Like, what does he think about those guys? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what he thinks about those guys. He may have Dyson Daniels at six. He may have, you, you know, and and so if he can get a guy at twelve who he's got sixth on his draft board, like that might be the case. And I mean, it's just. 
the luck that they had tonight is going to pay massive dividends. And if, to me, everybody that's at the draft party, everybody that's probably on the stream right now, I think we're having a record number of people on our stream right now, which is really cool. Like, you guys all get it. You all understand it. You understand the process behind all of this. But like, a night like tonight is what you can take to the people that don't believe in it. You're like, this is why you do it. Like you do it so that you can have the chance to get the number two pick in the draft. And because you have done such a good job with your asset management, not only do you have two, you have 12. Like, this is why you do this. And you have the chance to... Like A lot of people like our core group of Shay, Giddy, Dort, add whoever else you'd like. I wouldn't really add many more to that. But if that's your group, and you can add two key pieces in this draft, like now you're starting to really cook. Now you really start, start to see like the hype of why they're doing this. And also you can also can all of the like free agency <laughs> talk that's happening right now because, <laughs> because of what's, what just happened tonight is like, we know we, we're not going to try to get DeAndre Ayton like none of those things are going to happen because they're the process is playing out perfectly and it, this is like the ultimate time to be able to explain it to somebody who's been like a process hater to this point um cuz this is what it's all about yeah not only that but also just like the obsession with the back end of this roster like it's going to feel so much different going into next season where you have Shea Giddy and two more top 12 picks. Yeah. Likely. Who knows? And and then and then everyone else. Like, yeah. and then you're and then now Dort's all of a sudden the fifth guy. And like all of a sudden Dort makes sense. Way more sense than he did last season. Yep. Like and they still have 30 to... and 34 in this draft. Like right. that's another and, scenario and we... where they could take 30 and 34 and trade up to like 22. And I don't know who I like at 22 yet. But we sure do like the guys that we take at twenty two. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we, like we obsess about those guys. And the other thing, and this is where I like slightly disagree with you, in that I think that this team will be better next season simply because they land in the top three. They're let, if they take one of these big guys, they're going to be playing more functional lineups out of the gate than they have the last couple of years. Yeah. Like Jabari Smith isn't my favorite prospect, but like putting him on a team with Giddy and Shea, like that's just going to work offensively in a way that lineups last year didn't. Yeah, he's still so young. Like, he's still so young. These guys are still so young. That's, that's he where, is. But it, like if young you bigs, sub out, young bigs just really really struggle. And I think imagine be, giving, but but imagine giving his like Baisley's thirty minutes to Jabari Smith next year, a guy who's going to be shooting like good from three who's not yeah. going to be shooting 29 percent. like that completely changes the offense it does i i agree I, Wait, like when they have to close out on literally anyone on this team which they do not have to do right now it changes everything offensively offensively defensively is where they could take was where they could take a step back because that was what that's why they were good at all this year was because they were good defensively that's where i'm it's almost I'm a, I'm hopeful that they will drag the defense down for a year. You know what I mean? Because I yeah, just I, 
I think if you take Chet or Jabari, like good luck with that because <laughs> I think those guys are going to come in. Like, dude, they had a league average defense when Trey Mann was on the floor last year. Like, like I Chet know. and Jabari are so much further along defensively than so many of these other young guys that are on the Thunder, and they're still putting up like top fifteen defense across a season, like yeah. a very up and down season. Like, I, I I think that if you get one of Chet or Jabari. On defense, and I'm not even saying those are my top two guys, but if you just get one of those guys, you're I think get, the offensive lineups are going to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, they could take Paolo, which I think Paolo is a different story because, like, yeah, Paolo doesn't project to be this like awesome defensive player out of the gate. Yeah. And he probably wouldn't be, but any either of those other two guys, and I feel like the defense is still going to be solid, and the offense is going to be way more functional than it was a year ago. It's possible. I, I'm not sure. I'm buying it. But it's possible. He's possible. Dude, they got the number two pick in this NBA draft. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. And after that break, I'm going to tell you why I knew they were getting the number two pick before, before it happened. Right after this. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back after that quick break. Um, So this past week, this past weekend, I was uh, on a little trip with my wife and we went to the beach and i rented a convertible and it was <laughs> what, what kind absolutely delightful it was like a brand new mustang convertible it was the freaking best weekend ever and i'm driving grooving got the music bumping driving down the beach and not on the beach but on the road by the beach and a bird pooped onto my head i just felt this smack onto my head and I reach my hand up on top of my hair and I look and it's bird poop. And I'm like, a bird just pooped on my head. What are the odds in a moving vehicle that a bird would poop on my head? Well, I looked it up and apparently it means very good luck. Very good luck. Like a lot of cultures believe it's very, very good luck to have a bird poop on your head because it's so unlikely. Now, they put number two on my head. Lucky number two. That's how I knew. Oh, wow, yeah. So, there we go. You can thank this bird for taking a big dump on my head. And we got number two pick. Hey, I was just looking at Twitter. Did you know, I don't even know if uh, you know who Tyler Lockett is, but he's a wide receiver for the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's very he's very good. He played at Kansas State. Okay. Uh, he's awesome. He He's a Thunder fan. Oh, nice. He's tweeting about the Thunder. He said, number two and number 12, let's go. Let's we, should have, we, try to get on, we should try to get him on the show. We should get him on the pod. We, yeah, we definitely should. 
there was also somebody, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember what his name was, uh, and bless his heart, he was wearing this hoodie, it was a good luck hoodie, it is 94 degrees in Oklahoma City today, <laughs> and he is in this like pretty thick uh, dark blue hoodie, and it's telling me that when the Clippers lost and our pick jumped up to 12, he was wearing that hoodie. Uh, and there were a couple other is- instances um, where he was wearing this hoodie, and <laughs> he's like, "This is this is my good luck hoodie." And anybody else that did anything else, I mean, everybody really brought it. Everybody really brought it today. Kudos to everybody um, for showing up and helping us get this number two pick. Just incredible. I mean, listen, the, the these. Uh... These trying times for a franchise when, when your team's not good, like you need moments like this. Without and I, I mean, going back to the process Sixers, like I remember when Wright Sturkey Sanchez would have lottery parties. Yeah. And I remember seeing the video of when they jumped up to get Ben Simmons at number one. Obviously, uh, a, a good reminder that not everything is <laughs> uh, guaranteed in stone just because you drop jump up. But just like having that moment where like you feel some kind of payoff for all of the terrible basketball you watched. Shout out Yorgos Kalizakis, though. You know, <laughs> shout, shout out, out to Yorgos. This, this for playing 45 minutes and almost dying. 60th yeah, day like, of, last, of last year's draft. Like it, it just it just it just validates everything. And it's so stupid that it validates it because it was luck. It was pure luck. It was it's just the way that the balls bounced, Andrew. But oh my gosh, it makes it all feel so much more worth it. It does. Like I, I'm gonna have so much more energy going into next season. Just knowing that, like one of those guys is going to be on the Thunder, like, I know. I'm so much more hyped. Hey, and I, and like I, I tweeted like I had talked myself into seven guys. Summer league, I really had. Summer league is going to be incredible. There, especially because Giddy's playing. Giddy's playing Trey in Man Utah. Playing. Yeah, in Utah. Poku's playing. Then we're going to have the two and the twelve. It's just unbelievable. Hey, I'll, um, the, I'll be the, right back. You just keep talking. Hold on. Oh, I can keep keep talking. Hey, if you have got a question for Al Baby Cakes, uh, put it into the chat, okay? Because uh, it's the Al Show now, and uh, I'm answering all your questions. Hope you can't hear. I forgot to turn off my uh, air purifier, which is uh, my, my guinea pig is down here, and uh, and it's going off right now. I hope it's not too loud. It sounds like an air conditioner. How's fatherhood? Baby's doing good. Baby's sleeping three hours at a time. Feel, feeling good, feeling great. My first reaction to number two, I was just, I, I just, I, I couldn't believe it because I had already prepared. In my head, I was thinking six and 12. In fact, when we yeah. got to six, yeah, I, I, I told my, my mother-in-law, I said, you're about to see the Thunders logo. This <laughs> is where, this is, this is, the, mo- this is I, the most likely scenario. I don't know how here, long here. I've been looking at like these mock drafts where I'm just staring at like five, six, seven, eight. And just thinking, like, who who would I be most satisfied with? And like, yeah. not looking at four or above. And like, and McKelly and I have Dude. been doing these Thunder After Darks about all these players. And I just like, is it even worth it? Like, am I just wasting my time like doing Dude, all this what... research about these guys and then doing these podcasts and just like just to set us up for just failure again? This is legitimately why I've barely touched Jabari, Chet, or Paolo. Yeah, like I. 
I've I've watched a lot of Chet just because I've liked him from the beginning. Yeah. But like I haven't done a deep dive on the other two because I didn't want to yet. Like I was doing Shaden Sharp, uh, AJ Griffin, Ben Matherin. Like I was looking at all of those guys because yeah. I was like, all right, I can sell myself on, you know, bringing in a shooter. <laughs> you were texting you know. us your list. <laughs> was that today? Yeah. I, I, was try- I was trying to get really passionate about Ben Matherin. <laughs> Which I sort of am. He's, like, he's no, cool. Matter. He's cool. He's fun. He may fall to 12. That would be awesome. He's cool. Hey, maybe they'll take him at two. You never know. Maybe. You know what my first thought was, actually, when hmm. we got two, was I wonder if Presti will take Shaden Sharp there. Okay. Who? Okay. So let's dive into that for just a second. Who would be the most shocking number two pick for you? Like, well, like What's like, like the most Presti curveball here? I, I think it's Sharp. I think Sharp is the most like shocking but realistic where like it would be shocking in the moment but you'd instantly get it yeah you'd understand like they clearly know something about this guy you know everything about sharp's background suggests that this is a high level prospect that if he had just had like a normal college year would have been in consideration for the first pick it it, based on the way some people talk about him and so if presti took him it would not be surprising and that was my first thought when we got the second pick, I was like, I wonder if he takes Sharp here. We're getting all excited about these big men, and would he just come around and take Sharp? I, uh, I just don't think so. I would be re- I would be very, very surprised if that happened. Oh, um, I, I would be shocked. I, I mean, it, I'm, I've so, like... I can only think of those three big guys. I would get, I would get really hyped, though. If they took him, if they thought that he was that good, I would get pretty yeah. hyped because it's not hard watching Chet, Jabari, and Paolo and saying like, "Oh my gosh, like yeah, all the three of those guys are going to be incredible in the NBA." Yeah, like, I'd be surprised if they weren't. And then if you see those guys and have their body of work, and then you still take Shaden, then you're you have to be crazy hyped because like, you may be getting like Tracy McGrady or something, you know. Yeah, for sure. The other thing I'd say about like this draft is that with those top three picks, and maybe you could say this is true like in any draft because Shea and Giddy are like so versatile. Yeah, um, like you feel like you can move them around a lot, but it, it feels like in a draft that some are that some consider weak, at least in comparison to last year, it really set up nicely where like any of those top three guys, you could quickly figure out how to fit them with OKC's existing roster. Mm-hmm. Like they, they all make immediate sense. Yeah. Like if Jaden Ivy was thought of as the number one pick and like, or, or, or like the obvious number two pick, like let's say there was an obvious number one and then Jaden Ivy was the obvious number two. Yeah. Like you'd have questions in your head. Like you yeah. probably still want them to go with BPA, but you'd have questions like, is this really going to work? That's where I would be doing my, uh, like the Mavericks have three ball handlers, you know, routine, you know. Oh, we, we would talk ourselves into it because you'd be like, well, uh, you know, Belly ran the three guard lineup. We uh, kind of made a name for ourselves that right. season with exactly. it. Why not do it again? Exactly. But it, the, the fits feel so clean with uh-huh. the current options at the top. Oh, yeah. And so like as much as I would have loved for them to get a top three pick last year and land someone like Evan Mobley. Like this is a nice consolation prize to end up high in a draft where the top players are such clean fits. 
so who is your what's your what's the Al Baby Cakes big board looking like these days? I mean, I'm, I'm, right now it's probably Chet Palo Jabari. Okay. Um. Okay. Get, give your pitch for Chet because I talked to so many people tonight, and I don't think I got one Chet person. Oh, really? What What are people mostly saying? A lot of people are Jabari. A lot of Jabari a lot of people. people. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of my belief in Chet goes back to like who he has been as a prospect for several years. Like I can remember watching Chet Holmgren highlights like years ago. Yeah. Like two or three years ago, like knowing this guy was coming and feeling like there's still so much untapped with Chet, especially offense, mainly offensively mm-hmm. compared to what we saw at Gonzaga where he was on a veteran team and he was playing a role for most of the season. Like you started to see some glimpses of his like offensive role expanding as the season went on. But I just feel like there's still so much more to unpack there offensively. And I think it's going to take time. I'm not saying he's going to click come in and dominate, Yeah, but I'm higher on his offensive like game than I think a lot of people who wouldn't take Chet would be because they look at what he did in Gonzaga and they're thinking, Oh, this is primarily going to be like a defensive big who, you know, maybe he can stretch the floor a little bit. I I, I just have a little bit higher ceiling than that for Chet offensively. And that's why I get so excited because on the flip side, like I feel good about the defense. Don't care about the body. I really don't at all. And we'll never care about the body. (laughs) Like I just, I I just don't worry about it. Like he, he succeeded at every single level. Like, are there going to be guys that he has issues with? Yeah, absolutely. But there's guys that everyone has issues with. Like, yeah. no, I don't think he's going to be like the perfect defensive center that can like do every single thing. But I think he's he he is just so smart defensively. Yeah. And you put him on that back line as the anchor of this OKC defense. I I don't know. I I just think it's it's such a clean fit. And there's upside there that I don't feel like is there with Jabari. Mm-hmm. Because in the same way that I feel like Chet's offensive ceiling, there's still some room to grow. Jabari's offensive ceiling, I feel lower on. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yes, I think he's a good shooter, but like the fact that he shot so poorly from two, like the fact that he it's does, concerning. he's not really a self creator, even though he like gets talked about that way sometimes. He, he can do like the one dribble pull up and he can do like jab step fall away stuff. Um, but even that, we're talking about like flashes. Like the, th- it's not like he's coming in and he's like Paolo in that. Like Paolo has a bag. Paolo's that he can got go the bag. To. If anybody's got the bag in this draft, it's 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 Paolo Bancaro. Yeah. And I feel like when people talk about Jabari, they're more talking about flashes outside of his shooting offensively. Yeah. Than like, oh, I feel super confident. And the other thing is like, Jabari is not this wildly athletic guy. Yeah. That that I feel like a lot of people talk about him. Chip Jones, uh, are you familiar with Chip? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chip Jones NBA. Uh, so he had, uh, he said at six ten, Jabari had fifteen dunks all year and a block percentage of three point eight. Here's a list of dudes six ten plus drafted with twenty or less dunks and a block percentage below five, and uh, it is all white guys. It is John Luer, Ryan Kelly, Luca Garza, Mo Wagner, Luca, oh, another Luca Garza, Garza, uh, Justin John Hamilton, Luer. Henry Ellenson, Domana Sabonis is there, Vucevic, like Justin Harper, Justin Hamilton. Like, he's not 
that elite type of athlete that I feel like some people think he is. Yeah. At, at least like by the stats. And so that's why for me, he is at three. And then I, I, I don't, I'm, I still need to be sold a little bit on the idea of Paolo in OKC. I just want someone mm-hmm. to like, like envision it for me to, to tell me like how, how they think it would work, how he would fit on this team. But just as a prospect, I like him more than Jabari. Yeah. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Don- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, with Chet, he sets a good screen. He can pop out to three. He loves to dunk the basketball. He loves to finish through contact. Um, he's not Poku. And that's, that's part of me is like, if the Thunder didn't have Poku, would the fan base be as scared of him? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I feel like... They- they probably would. I mean, I get why people are scared of Chet. Like, even looking at him at the, at the draft lottery... Like the look, so the look is the look is not is not the reason why you why you take him certainly, but he is a he, to me he's a brilliant basketball player, and there are a lot of reasons that he fits like the Thunder mold, is that he's multi skilled, he is a team team player, you know he didn't come into Gonzaga saying like I'm going to be the man he let like clearly let Drew Timmy be the leader of that team, um. And like the shot blocking shooting combination that exists with him, uh, and he's got some offensive moves too. I mean the the guy that I've heard some people compare him to and say like the, his absolute ceiling is going to be like Anthony Davis. Um, and we don't have like the best taste in our mouth last from Anthony Davis with this Lakers season, but to have a big that can affect you know shots at the rim. And then offensively be a weapon, um, 
it's incredible. There were times this past season where because the Thunder have such a great creator in Shea and in Josh Giddy that they made guys like Derek Favors look awesome. You know, like those guys had good games this year because they have yeah. we have good guards. And uh you know, Chet understands spacing very well and understands how to move within an offense. And also, I was just like Sam Presti's obsession with Gonzaga. Like it would just, I'd be really, really surprised if Chet doesn't go number one and the Thunder don't take him. Like I would just be pretty, I would be pretty shocked if that didn't happen. And I will also say, like one of my biases is that I don't like uh, safety at the top. I don't think the top of the draft is where you should go for safety. And I've seen this with Jabari Smith. Like Sam Vecini wrote it in his mock draft that he feels like Jabari Smith is the safest choice. Yeah. Like, I don't care about safety in the top five. Give me seeing like I you don't know when you're going to be in the top five. And I'm not going to make a decision based on safety because that sounds like a decision you're making just to save your job. Hey, let's just choose the guy that we feel like the most comfortable with, that we feel is like the highest floor, which maybe Jabari is that guy. But like, I think you have to shoot for the moon when you get these opportunities. Scared money and don't make none, man. That's right. And I feel like Chet is that guy. Yeah. Like, it is a risk, but is it a risk worth taking? If you want to win an NBA title, this team has to try to select somebody that could be the best player on the team. Like, full stop. And I don't believe that Jabari could be the best player on this team. Like he I would be, like his fit is incredible. Like it's a, I'm not he's denying a, that he's a great second piece, like a great second piece. But and this is an it's kind of interesting because it's a it's a little bit of a callback and it the order is different for uh, the Grizzlies because if you look back, um, this was the 2019 2018 draft. So in the 2018 draft, they took Jaron Jackson Jr. at four and probably could have made a trade to get Luka Doncic even or taken Trey Young or somebody like that. And they took a safer pick in Jaron Jackson Jr. It's worked out fine for them. You know, they I don't think they have regrets about that. But like the ceiling of a Trey Young is a lot higher. And it was way riskier at the time to take Trey, but like you, if the Hawks, like the Hawks, if if the Grizzlies called the Hawks and asked, said, "Hey, we'll trade you Jaron Jackson for Trey Young," like they just get laughed, laughed at, you know, like it's just not going to happen. And so I just, you just wonder about what? like the running mate for Shea, like that's what we're looking for, right? It's like who's going to be the the guy that is going to take the Shea Gildas Alexander basketball team to the top. And I think it's, to me, I think it's Chet Holmgren. Like that would, that's, that's who I think it is. And I could be wrong, but to me, that's the one where you can say, okay, the ceiling is there with Chet. And I think the pitch for Jabari is that like, Long-term, you look at him as potentially their small ball center. I thought that that stat by that Caitlin Cooper tweeted out that going into the conference finals, the only player 6'10 or taller who had played 25 or more minutes per game on those teams was Maxi Kleber. 
Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Like it is super small right now. Mm-hmm. And, and we're really going to see it in the Mavs versus the Warriors. Yeah. Small, like and small so, ball exclusively. Yeah. Like I don't want to discount Jabari too much because like I get it. Like the, the, the fit is there. It's just, is the upside there? Like, what, what is the ceiling of that player? You have this one opportunity, potentially one opportunity yeah. to have a like top two pick in a draft. Are you going to go with the safe choice that is a, a easy fit? Or are you going to kind of look f- in, towards the future and say, could we potentially get a game breaker? Like someone who we don't really know what they're going to look like in the NBA yet. Yeah, And in the same breath that I say that Chet is probably more of a risk, like, go look at his advanced stats. Like, the dude They're put insane. up one of the most historically great freshman seasons in college basketball by yeah. some of the advanced metrics. Yeah, he averaged 3.7 blocks per game. Per game. I mean, that's insane. He's up over four stocks a game, which is absolutely crazy. I mean, and he was wildly efficient as a player at a, at a young age as a freshman. I mean, it's it is really really impressive what he's been able to do. Um, it's exciting. We're gonna do more deep dives on these guys and talk a lot more about them. If you want like an extra podcast, um, you can go to Patreon.com/slash OKC Dream Team and get. Uh, there's a podcast about Chet, Jabari, Paolo, Jaden Ivey, uh, Shaden Sharp, Keegan Murray, AJ Griffin. Uh, who else do we do? We'd have been Matherin. Um, Johnny Davis, Mark Williams, and Walker Kessler. So all of those, there's individual podcasts for those that you can go listen to that McKelly and I did. Um, man, the draft is going to be a thousand percent more fun <laughs> because they got the number two pick and then figuring out what they're going to do with 12. And then, like, don't forget, they've got 30 and 34, too. And somebody just asked, who do we think Orlando's going to take? So all of these mocks have them taking Jabari Smith, and yeah. maybe there's something they don't know or or they know about what the Magic are going to do, and that's why they're saying that. But like, if I'm the Magic and I don't take Paolo, I would be very upset because they've built this team. Like, If we assume that Isaac is coming back, we kind of know what we have with Suggs, at least like defensively. Yeah. Like You feel good about Franz Wagner. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, how is this team scoring enough points long term? And the idea mm-hmm. of adding Chet or even Jabari to that team, like when Palo's right there, I just feel like he gives them so much more offensive upside, which is what they desperately need. <laughs> and I think him yeah. with especially with like him with Franz, like two like what six ten guys mm-hmm. who can be playmakers for your team. Like I just think that's an awesome fit. I don't know if that's going to happen, but like that was my instant reaction. Like they should take Paolo. Mm-hmm. That is an obvious fit to me. Yeah, but def- of course everyone has them taking Jabari. Yeah, so. defensively he just doesn't quite match what what they have. But it doesn't. Want. But it doesn't matter. Like that's that's why I feel like it's such a good fit because you have everyone else on that team seemingly is a good defender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like any deficiencies of Paolo is going to be covered up by all the, all those He's other just guys. Not the type of player that they've drafted in the past. I would just I would be a little surprised if that's the direction they went. I don't disagree with your with your take. I just would be a little surprised if this magic regime wouldn't go for the exact safe pick. Yeah. You know. No, I do think that Orlando's in a great situation where if and I don't think this will leak but but who knows like 
if they know who the Thunder wants, because some people are bringing up, like, what about 12 and two for one? I do think if Orlando plays this right and they get an idea of who OKC is going to take, or if they're just like open to like two of those guys at the top, that's the obvious move. Yeah. You trade down to two because, I mean, you, you see it right here. You see it in the comment section. Like, there's a wide range of opinions on those top three guys. It's un- it's unbelievable. I, it's it is what it is. Is like a really fun draft for content because, like last year, it was Cade Cunningham. Like, yeah, you're taking Cade Cunningham, and then like people tried to like right. s- say somebody else, and you'd be like, no, that's stupid. It's Cade Cunningham. Um, this draft, you can. I feel like there are arguments for all three that make total sense. That make a hundred percent sense. Cause you could you could be like, hey, look, listen, Jabari Smith can do like what Mike Muscala did for this team, but over the course of thirty-five minutes and play great defense, and you're instantly like a good offensive team. And all they've needed is like a big that can stretch that people care about their shooting. Uh because you look at the minutes that Mike Muscala played with this team last year, and if you translate that to a player that can do a little bit more offensively than Mike and that can play big minutes, and then Mike is his backup, it's like, okay, hmm. Like that's that's quite interesting because what this team needs so, so, so badly is shooting. And if you can get shooting at two and at twelve, I think you feel a lot better about the direction of this team. And that's like where you can talk yourself into Jabari Smith, uh, where I can talk myself into Paolo is like, he's probably the most likely guy out of the, that trio to average 25 points per game. And he, he could be one of the best. He could be your best or second best player on your team pretty easily. Uh, and then we've already talked about Chet. Like there's an argument for all three and I'm excited to kind of take this journey um, for uh Sam to take somebody else. <laughs> and if they did trade up to one, like on the, on the one hand you're bummed because it's like, wow, that just cost us like an extra lottery pick. Yeah. But if they made a move like that, you would know that like they got their guy and you feel and very so, confident. Yeah. yeah. It, it would be similar to the faults Tatum trade. Yeah. No, it would be the, it would be, the, you'd be on you the dangerous don't, side. You don't want to be on the Sixers process side of that one. Um, or like, or like the Luca trade, where you're trading a current pick and then you're trading a what ends up being like a, another late lottery pick. Yeah. And if if the Magic are smart, I think they have to try to play this to encourage that kind of trade up in a, in a trade where there are three guys that everyone feels like are pretty close and it's kind of eye of the beholder. If Orlando's good at this, they should get a trade out of this, unless there's a guy that they just feels like so clear of the one and they don't want to risk it, like. They should be playing OKC and Houston against each other, trying to get them to trade up to one so that they can move down a few spots and still get one of these three guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, Al. What a great day. What a great day to be a Thunder fan. Um, thanks so much for listening to our podcast. Obviously, we're going to have many more shows for you soon. Uh, listen to uh, Saturday Slam and Jam, which will drop tomorrow. It's going to be all about the lottery. Uh, Matt Penny's going to join, and we're going to get some uh, beat writers from The Athletic to join as well to just talk about the draft and the lottery, and uh, it's going to be great fun. That should be out mid-morning tomorrow, 
and uh, lots of stuff coming at you uh, this week. So thanks so much for everybody for tuning in. If you haven't tuned in before to uh, our live streams before on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button uh, before you click off this video and uh, just get ready for some amazing draft content. And man, the Thunder, this is this was like the moment that I feel like that we've needed um, it's, it's this big time. So, uh, enjoy it. And we'll talk to you guys again on Friday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.